How many of you have had Pastor Bob come and find you and meet with you, take you out to lunch and hang out with you a bit since he's been our regional pastor? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Just look around. He's probably met with me four, five, six times. And just what a, 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 an amazing, amazing, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. What a father's heart. You're going to hear from him. But right now, I get to interview Pastor Bob. I wish everybody would come on in here and sit down. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you ready for some questions? I hope so. You ready? Why did you guys change church? Because we didn't like our old one. <laughs> wonderful. We, we actually um, we actually been trying for 20 years to change our name. What was the name of the church? Great Falls Christian Center. What is it now? New City Church. How beautiful. Wow. Yeah. It's good How many name. New City people we have out there? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a great church. Yeah. If you've never been there before, it's a wonderful church. Yeah, it is. So let me ask you this. Let's skip around a little bit. What was the most powerful thing that you remember that took place in your life the day or the week that you were born again? I was four and a half years old when I got born again. <laughs> but, but actually, really? I was a little Baptist church in uh, uh, Oklahoma, in Medicine Lake, Oklahoma. And uh, uh, they were singing Just As I Am, which every Baptist gets saved to. And walking down front, and, and I do remember this, one of my earliest memories, uh, we gathered in front, and, and my memory is that there were angels in the room. I, I still remember that. It was just a, like a powerful time. And, and I, as a young boy, I grew up with a really uh, a good friendship with Jesus. I never thought of praying. I just talked to him all the time. And I was kind of a chubby guy, but I always had really good-looking girlfriends because I prayed a lot. <laughs> Come on. So... <laughs> Look at my wife. The poor man cried out and the Lord yeah. heard him. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. What was probably, what would you say was the three most important days or dates of your life? Like maybe three. I got born again. Yes, sir. Um, uh, the day I married my wife. Come on. Um, Cindy. Uh, you, you want spiritual stuff, don't no, you? I'm no, I'm just asking. No, no <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, for the, real, for real. The, the days my children were born were amazing. I have a couple of my daughters here today, and, and that was just, if you're a parent, you know what I mean. It's just yeah, amazing. And, it's wonderful. Uh, and then the, the night Cindy and I, the Holy Spirit, was, uh, ch changed the whole direction of our life and our history and everything. So. Amen. So you mentioned that you pioneered a church. Can you tell us maybe one of the most challenging aspects of pioneering a church? Well, I, I love what Frank said last night. That was really good. He said he had to learn to he had to learn to get his own faith. And uh, that was good. And that I mean, I think everybody pioneers. You learn that you just gotta. It's like you've watched it done. You've kind of maybe been a part of it, but it's not the same thing as carrying the load. Um, one of the things that I, I noticed as a, as a senior pastor, I, I, I like to be alone. I, I, I'm kind of a contemplative person. I like to go on retreats. But um, I, there was a loneliness as a senior pastor that I'd never experienced before because I, you're everybody that you are related to, you're their pastor. And uh, that's why I think this is so valuable. And honestly, that's why I go visit 
the pastors and how much why I love what you love you because I I realize what as a senior pastor uh, you carry the, uh, and there's a there's certain elements. God really blessed me, gave me Lee Barrows who who was a senior pastor. So he understands that and has been a gift in my life. But but uh, to be it just uh, it was unique. I, I don't know that I'd ever felt that kind of loneliness before. Yeah. So that's for real a challenge. Uh, what what is your favorite aspect of MFI? Uh, the pastors being hanging out with guys. I like that. I really like that a lot. Amen. You guys ready to hear from Pastor Bob? Come on, put your hands together for our regional. We love Pastor Bob. Amen. Amen. So, uh, man, there's some really good stuff been given out this. Uh, uh, Doug just rocked it. That was really excellent. Um, I looked at his notes and I thought, oh man. <laughs> I mean, look at my notes. You just got them. It's got like this little flippy page. <laughs> his looks like a master's treatise or something like that. And, and Frank wrote a book for us. Um, but last was speaking, I really, um, I, I was really uh, stirred by that message. I, Frank, that was just a uh, personally that just really ministered to me but it also really stirred me I, I've been wrestling with what I was going to share in fact uh, some of the church have recently spoken legacy and and uh, um, harvest church in, in Vancouver and grace harvest I spoke in this last week and you're gonna I'm gonna say some of the same things because this stuff's been in my heart but uh, you, you gave me a key phrase and I'm gonna share that in a little bit that that really tied it together and, and I, I went home, actually I didn't get much sleep because of you, thank you. Um, I went home and, and studied and, and wrote until about 12.30 and uh, then I have this great team here and I sent them, I said, change all the notes and the PowerPoints and everything <laughs> and they're so wonderful. Eric, thank you so much for, for doing that. So you got you to set of notes in your bag that I'm not going to use. But there's really good stuff in there and, and there's a particularly really... Um, uh, um, Oh, there's some good stuff in there, so just check it out. There's a good one on storytelling. Uh, Jesus, it says, uh, Jesus never went anywhere, never spoke without telling a story. And I, I like telling stories, too. So um, I, I really encourage you to uh, look at those, but uh, they're, they're not extensive. My notes are never very extensive. <laughs> I just give you what I got, which isn't very much. So, But I'm going to do it really well what I do. Just... <laughs> Amen. And, and as you know, we're off schedule, and that's okay. We're at a conference. We're going to have. We're not going to rush anything. We're going to make sure we have plenty of time for uh, Pastor Frank and Pastor Bob as they minister to people. And we have the our uh, breakout session. Turn your Bibles to First um, uh, Corinthians, uh, chapter nine. The, the the phrase that Frank said last night, actually right at the beginning, he talked about. He says the way we connect is by speaking the language of the human heart. I really like that. I, I, actually, I, that's on my notes. And, uh, and I, I want to talk. That's really what I'm going to talk about today. What's, what is that language? What does it sound like? And, and so go, 1 Corinthians, um, I, I really like the Bible. And uh, so I, I, I use quite a bit of scripture, but I just use little bits and pieces. By the way, I'm scared to death. I don't know if I'm exegesing or eisegesing. I'm just jeezing. Okay? We're going to do Jesus. 
Ex, ex Isa, you're here, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> that always cracks me up. I said, yeah, okay. We're gonna, we're just gonna. First um, Corinthians. Oh, I'm in Second Corinthians. That's the problem here. First um, Corinthians nine. Um, Paul said in verse 19, he says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. That's really a, a lot of what we're talking about uh, during this conference. Um, to the Jews, I became a Jew to, the, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having law, I became like one not having law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. That's really interesting. Uh, to win the weak, I have become all things to all men so that by all means possible, I might win some. That's, uh, now, he's not talking about compromise. He just said, you know what? I just I got in their world. I identified with them, and I became what I needed to be so that I could really, because I'm so passionate to see people brought to Jesus. And so I, I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to give up a little bit of myself. Amen? So that I can reach people. Would you, would you stand with me? I, I want to pray. And, and I do this most of the time when I preach. And um, it, my, my son years ago told me it was hokey. But I, so what? All right? Uh, we're going to put our hand on our heart and our mind. Because these are the places God wants to connect with. And so uh, we're going to pray that God would do that. So if you pray with me, Lord Jesus, this morning, I pray for an open heart and an open mind so that I can receive from you. I pray that you speak to me, teach me, and reveal yourself to me. Help me to understand, to receive, and to walk in truth that sets me free. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we pray now for open hearts and open minds, God, I pray that you would anoint my words and my thoughts in this time together. God, you so deeply love these men and women. God, before, not because they're pastors or leaders, but because they're your children. God, you, you, they're, they're precious to you. And God, because they belong to you, you you've, you've given each one destiny and purpose and assignment. And God, we want to be faithful. God, help us. So God, I pray you would encourage your people. I pray you'd teach them. And God, I pray you'd give me grace to say what I need to say. And then God, you'd take your spirit and you'd minister life through that. So that go beyond anything I'd say, you go deeply into each heart and do what needs to be done to each individual. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Amen. About, about four years ago, uh, my wife, um, I, I, just a little background, uh, my, my wife and I met at the University of Montana. I, I was a philosophy major, and I was going to go to law school. I'd taken the entry to Alaska to, uh, uh, to make money, so we'd go to law school, and then Jesus wrecked our lives, <laughs> really. And, and we... I uh, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God put a call on my life, and then we went out and pioneered a church. But I never got my degree. I, I was like, I thought about a semester short of my degree. And so about four years ago, Cindy said, why don't you get your degree? Well, I, I, honestly, part of it, I thought it would just be vanity. I don't, didn't need it because I already had the job. <laughs> and I wouldn't get a raise if I got a degree because I already had the job, and that was it. That was all they were going to pay me anyway. 
And, uh, but she kept, do that. I think you'd enjoy that. And my, my wife's really, she's, she's an inspiration. All right. So, um, anyway, so I, I, I did. I, I made contact and went to them. And they got really excited. I'm an old guy, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to go back and get my degree. And they said, if you will take one class, they, they looked at my transcripts and they put me under the old catalog so I didn't have to take a language. And they said, you have enough, enough credits in philosophy. If you just take one graduate level class, we'll give you your degree. And, and the state of Montana has a deal if you're a Vietnam veteran or if you're over 65, tuition's free. So I, I could do it online and I could get a degree. So the class I took was called uh, Intracultural Communication. And what it was, what essentially was, was how cultures talk to each other. It's filled with uh, students that are going to go into foreign service or uh, work in foreign countries. And so how do you go from one culture, how do you communicate with another culture? And uh, I, I was into it. I, I, if I'd have been that into it before, I'd have graduated a lot sooner and gone a lot farther. But I, I was really, I, I loved doing it. And, uh, but one of our assignments, kind of our, our project for the, the semester, was that we had to have, develop a relationship with someone from another culture. And uh, we, we maybe teach them something and get to know them and then write a paper on it. It was a quarter of our grade was the paper, the final paper we wrote. And so uh, we had, a, we had a, a, a foreign exchange student from Vietnam in our youth group. He was a senior, about 17 or 18 years old. And, uh, and he, um, I, I asked him, some one of the youth leaders told me about him, and, and I asked him if he would do this. And so we, we began, now we, we had a couple of cultural things, 17 years old, and I'm not. And, and uh, and he's from Vietnam, and, and which was really interesting to me because I, I had spent a year there. And so uh, we just developed a friendship. We would meet in my office uh, about once a week, and, and uh, you know, I'd try to be as comfortable. I'd, I'd put my feet up on the desk, you know, and we'd just visit back and forth, or, or I'd have a donut for him or something, you know. And, and then I taught him how to play golf, which is really a trick. <laughs> he, he'd never hit a golf, never had a golf club in his hand. And so we went to the driving range and we worked on that. And we really did develop a friendship. Well, after we were done, then I had to write the paper. And so I'm doing all this research. And one of the main things that came out in this class is different cultures, uh, a lot of cultures have what they call nonverbal communication. Uh, in other words, the, the way they communicate is by their, maybe their facial expression or things that they don't say, or, but, but, it's, it, but it's not stuff you say. Now, it, it, it's, it's really interesting. The, kinda, the farther north you are from the equator, it seems like the more confrontive culture is. It's an interesting thought. Uh, Americans are, are known as being pretty forthright. They're pretty confrontive in culture. Um, the most confrontive culture in the world is Israel which I thought that was really interesting and, and there's probably some kind of spiritual significance to it. But, but Asian culture is very uh, non-verbal um, and, and they say a lot by what they don't say. And, and particularly Vietnam is particularly like that. And so I'm studying out how they really communicate about different things. And I'm going through the list of, uh, there was like two pages of things that are offensive or you got to be careful with. And one of the major ways that you offend people is by showing them the bottoms of your feet. And every time I met with Crank Tree, I would put my feet up on the desk and show him the When I read that, I was just devastated. I said, I can't believe I did that. 
And then we, we actually met and we talked about it. But we had, we had formed a bond. And this is why this is important. We had formed something that he said, it's no big deal to me. And I, I believe this because even though I was an old guy who messed up the culture, what I had is somehow we, we learned to talk about the language of the human heart. We, we, we communicated in that way. And even my bad communication was good enough to get through to him. Now, this, the reason I, I think this is so important, because you can listen to this and you can read Frank's notes, or, or really what will really mess you up is read books on culture, and you think, there's no hope for me. <laughs> and, and I think if you get the language of the human heart, if you get how, uh, there, there are things that, that go cross-culture even if you do it wrong. And so that's really what I want to talk about today. Uh, how, can you, how can you get to people without, without messing up? Um, when, I, when I was a young uh, Christian, in, we, we were raised up in the Abbot Loop Church. Some of you might know of that. And, and uh, Alaska, parts of Alaska are really wild country. And uh, there's a town in Alaska called Talkeetna. It's, right at the, it's a jumping off point for Mount McKinley. And so uh, the, it's populated by people that are guides. Uh, the mountain, they're kind of, you know, backpacking, mountain climbing people or river guides. And then, in, in, this is in the 60s and 70s, the woods were filled with hippies. Does anybody know what a hippie is? <laughs> All right. Anyway, but they were filled with these hippies. There was an Assembly of God pastor uh, from Anchorage that got a burden for these hippies. And now, now we, the uniform, the skinny jeans of the day were bib overalls and flannel shirts and work boots. And, and these hippies were living in these communes. And this assembly god pastor in three-piece suits would go out there. He had a bouffant haircut. Remember that? Oh, every assembly god pastor in America had that haircut. Did you ever have that, Frank? Come on. Come on. <laughs> I just, just found myself wondering about that. Anyway. Uh, but he would go out there, and he couldn't have looked more like he didn't fit. And I, I have some good friends that were those hippies. Some of them uh, were, were friends, became friends of mine. And he would do Bible studies. In fact, Mike Stewart, one of them, uh, told me, he said, we would, he'd come out and do Bible studies, and then we'd go out in the woods and smoke dope and read our Bibles and think about it <laughs> until he got through to them and actually took the Eventually, there was a church formed in Talkeetna, Alaska. It's about a town of about 400. There were 200 people went to that church. Out of, out of that group of hippies, there became missionaries and pastors and elders and, and church planters. Because one man who was so unfitting in the culture came out and just served them and loved them. And he transformed community. And now, you know, think, think how this works. This is how the kingdom of God works. These people then went out and transformed other communities. They planted churches. I know one of them went to Bolivia as a, as a, uh, a pastor. Another one went to some place in Colorado. Mike Stewart, my friend, was a pastor there in, in, in that community. And, and hundreds, maybe thousands and thousands of people because one guy just decided to be faithful. Didn't fit, but he was decided to be faithful and because I think it's because he, he spoke the language of the human heart. Can, can you get that? So I, that's really what I want to share with you today. I want to give you uh, uh, four things, four simple things. I'm, I'm a pretty simple preacher, so 
you, you'd probably be able to figure this out, what I say. It's like a page and a half of notes or something like that. Number one is authenticity. Um, and we all know that. We hear that all the time, that, that this generation likes people to be authentic. Every generation likes people to be authentic. We hate phony stuff. And, and sometimes we can feel a pressure Sometimes we can feel pressure to be something we're, we're really not. Um, 1 Corinthians, he says, By the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace is not without effect. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He says, I, I am what I am, but then I, I want to be better at what I am. If, um, if, you, went to, uh, if you went to Africa... And, and you saw a giraffe. I, I happen to like giraffes. My wife loves giraffes. We have all kinds of, we got to go to a, a deal in San Diego where you go out and pet giraffes and feed them leaves. And, and she just loves giraffes. So, but you saw a giraffe, you wouldn't, say, you wouldn't say something like this. Well, that doesn't look at all like the cows back home. <laughs> right? Because you, you're in Africa and you see a giraffe and it, it's exotic, it's different. But it doesn't bother you that it's different because you expect it to be different, right? right? But if you went back home and you saw a cow with a giraffe suit on, you'd say, that's weird, right? <laughs> you guys getting a picture? The other day, we, we, we came, pulled into town, we came early, and we went to uh, this fancy shoe store in Spokane. And I was going to get some preaching shoes. Because I, I wear tennis shoes all the time. That's all I ever wear. Uh, I, I would have worn, I didn't preach Easter because I was sick, but I would have worn tennis shoes to preach in Easter. So, but we were going to get some preaching shoes. And I've been watching some of these guys, and they have the, you know, the black ones that are kind of long like that. And, and I thought they looked kind of cool. I mean, J.O. had a pair on last night. It looked really cool. And so I thought, I'd get some. My wife said, this is, you know, how wives talk to husbands who, when they love. They, she said, honey, they look stupid on you. <laughs> she, she, she said, you're, you're too round to wear pointed shoes. <laughs> so these are my preaching shoes right now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they fit my body better, all right? <laughs> what, what we want is people that are authentic. Uh, is Matt, Mo, Matt, you here? I'm going to pick on you. Okay, Matt. A couple years ago, you told us we need to wear skinny jeans. <laughs> so I bought a pair. <laughs> I, I'd lost some weight, and, and I like lucky jeans, and I thought I saw where they had a sale on them. And I, I bought this pair of skinny jeans. I, you know what? I look stupid in them. I put them on. This is what I look like. I look like a frog. You know, you got the skinny legs and the big body. And then just like, I looked at those. And I had, you know, I wear my shirts out. So all these, like these skinny legs sticking out of there. I actually, yesterday I took them back. Or the other day, I took them back. It's not me. All right? Honestly, any jean I wear is a little bit of a skinny jean, you know, it's just kind of... <laughs> do, do, do you get what I'm saying, though? Now, now, can you grow? Can you change? I mean, if you're wearing, uh, you know, uh, 
something weird, quit wearing it. All right? But, but, but be who you are. Be the way God made you. One of, two of my favorite scriptures, and I, and I use these in the churches I, I spoke at. Um, the first one is from uh, uh, Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are God's masterpiece. It's on your notes. They're not doing it, are they? There you go. No, that's not. There you go. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We, we, the Bible says that you're a masterpiece. You're uniquely made by God the way you're supposed to be. And, and one, one of the things as a pastor I've noticed, almost everybody wishes they were different. I, I, I wish I could write what Frank wrote, but it wouldn't come out like that. Oh, I wish I could write, I looked at Doug's notes, those are really interesting, excellent, well-researched, and even look good on paper notes. By the way, what, what Eric had to work with didn't look like what you've got there. <laughs> I don't have a clue what to do with PowerPoint. I, I, I just know Eric. <laughs> See, you're, you're a master. You're supposed to be the way you are. If you're shy, that's how God made you. Now, if, if, if you've... Here, here's a big one, because... We live in a culture where people are always talking about being wounded. I, I was wounded. I have, came from a dysfunctional family. And, and, and we almost see that as a limitation. I believe, God, when you surrender your life to Christ, that, that weakness, those brokenness, all that stuff of your life, God then uses it to, to fulfill his divine purposes in a broken life. And, and, and only you can do what you can do. Look, the next one I love, this next scripture, Psalm 139. Actually, the whole psalm is my, my favorite psalm in the Bible. It says, I, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows full well. I actually tell my church, and I, I shared this in a couple of churches I was with, and they, I got some funny looks, but um, my church, some of you are laughing already. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell them, what I want you to do is I want you to type that scripture on a piece of paper. Go in your bathroom and tape it. Then lock your door of your bathroom. Then take all your clothes off. And then read it to yourself. I will praise you, O Lord, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, listen, if the door's locked, you can, you can get into it, right? You can. All your works are marvelous. Come on. You are marvelous. This is, in, in one sense, this is really serious because you're supposed to be who you are. So be who you are. And, and, and I don't care what culture people are from, they connect to that. I, I, I see sometimes old pastors with their hats sideways or their hair spiked little color deals on it or, or they go out and get some weird tattoo so they can write. And it looks stupid. <laughs> You know, you know, I love Jail. I, I really, he, he's just one of my favorite people. I, the first time I, 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 we, we had a co uh, MFI conference and I, I, we were in town early. And so I got up and I went to his church. Just wanted to visit his church, see what it was like. I think they were all over the other building. You 
probably were maybe had two or three hundred people at the time, and, and he rapped a lot of the sermon. I, I, honestly, he was, he was intense. I mean, he's an intense guy. He's like this little muscle, you know, he's got, a, he's got like muscles up here in his bald head. <laughs> and he, he drives a Harley. You, you know what I love about Jail, though? He's one of the most authentic people I know. That, that really is who he is. He's, you talk about the eggs you're having for breakfast. We have breakfast together a lot. He goes, these are really good eggs. <laughs> I'm going, well, okay. <laughs> to, to be authentic is to be true to who you are. I, I, I could never be like him. And I, I'm not supposed to be. Here, he could never be like me. No, you couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't pull it off, see? <laughs> I have a hard enough time pulling it off. So the way you're made, the way God created you, the way God uses you, the way you communicate. Some of you are more teacher-oriented. Some of you are more pastoral. Some of you are evangelistic. Jail is like a full-blown prophetic evangelist. And he, he blessed our church. Both of you guys were just wonderful. Radine is, in fact, it's amazing how God knows what you need. <laughs> you needed her. <laughs> And, and, and she's the right lady for you. And, and, and they're real. In fact, sometimes we, we see churches that grow and we say, well, they're, they're doing tricks. or they're doing... No, oft, oftentimes it's because they are who they are. All the time. Bob Grimm's like that. Bob and Kara, they're real people. I'm telling you, just be who God made you. And if you're kind of hokey or you're a nerd, be a nerd. <laughs> Really, I mean, I, I'm a little 80 squirrel. <laughs> so I should be that, right? D d d d can you see that? And when you do that, I will praise you, Lord, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All your works are mine. I know that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Just turn to the person next to you and say, I am way cool. <laughs> Just the way I am. Number two, number two, authentic, authentic. Number two, loving, or um, the principle that we call in our church, this is actually the leadership principle that we talk about all the time. You can talk to anybody who's gone through our Bible, our internship program, and our leaders, we talk about this. It's, it's this principle what we call it for whose sake. Um, Romans 15, 1 and 2 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. In the message about it says, strength is for service, not status. Here's, here's what I mean. I, I have a database of every sermon I've ever preached. And, and sometimes I'll look it over and kind of get an idea. What have I done and what haven't I done? And kind of get a, try to figure out a balance. Since I started preaching in 1981, so I have everyone listed. Uh, I didn't do it. I had somebody do it. <laughs> In the early years, now I, now I do my own. But anyway, I noticed that there was a 10-year block. 
I used, I, I used to do family camps. I used to be invited to preach on the family. I had wonderful kids. They were just a blessing. And so people would see our family and say, man, would you come in and teach us? And I'd go to these churches and I'd talk about how to raise your kids and love your kids and so on. And then there's a 10-year block where I never talked about the family. And I looked at it and I thought, wow. It's when my kids were teenagers. <laughs> this, is, this is true. And it's because when they were teenagers, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, when they were little, I would just beat their butt and tell them to quit, and we'd pray together, and, you know, Proverbs for parenting, and we were, everything was cool. We, we got a little track, said, uh, children, fun or frenzy, and, and we, that was sort of our philosophy, and it worked. But when they were teenagers, they, they, they became people. <laughs> and, and so we, we, we did this small group in our church, and it was actually, I, I asked to do, I asked to have it done. I didn't lead it. I just asked to have it done. It's called uh, Parenting Adolescence. It was uh, a guy out of uh, Larry Crabb's ministry. It's an older uh, curriculum now. And uh, the principle in there was for whose sake. It's a great parenting. So think about this. When you discipline your children, for whose sake do you discipline them? And if you, if you think about it, a lot of us discipline our children because they tick us off or they embarrass us or they inconvenience us and we get angry. The Bible says God disciplines us for our sake that we might be partakers of his holiness, right? And so this really got to me. This principle really got to me for whose sake. So it really tells you, I'm really glad my daughter's here. Abby uh, lives here. Her husband's a pastor at one of the other churches in, in the city here. And uh, uh, she was about 15, I think. And we had a Sunday where we had a lot of new people. We'd invited them to stay after church for dinner. And uh, she had had her, the night before, she had her first basketball game, high school basketball game. And uh, Abby was, was really quick, but she was pretty slender. And the girl was about 60 or 70 pounds heavier than her that she had to guard. And, and Abby just got beat up. And so she said, I, I can't go to church. I'm just, I said, will you, will you, I, I want you to come to the dinner. I want them to meet my family. So... My, my beautiful Abby comes in the door after church to meet the family. She's got a pair of Nike, black Nike tennis shoes unlaced, a pair of Nike shorts with a hole in them and probably something on the leg or something like that, and a T-shirt that says Nike. She liked Nike that was black, and, it was, uh, and her hair looked like she just went. <laughs> and, and I just lose it. I'm, I'm out in the foyer of our church. And my kids, I got two of my daughters here. They, they will recognize this. When I would get upset when they were little, I would, I would go like this. And I was really upset. I'd get my toes and I'd go, you, I can't believe you're here like that. I'm out in the foyer doing this. I'm saying, I can't believe you're here like, looking like this. Why didn't you dress? You can't. And, and God speaks to me. And he says, for whose sake are you upset? And I said, oh God, it's for my sake. She embarrassed me. I just stopped, and I said, Abby, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? Now, listen, you need to be respectful and come dressed right. But I was upset, not for your sake, but for my sake, and I'm sorry for that. And, and that's become a principle in our church. For, for whose sake do you do the things you do? Now, 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 take that into reaching your culture. For whose sake? Why do you want to reach them? What, do you want to reach them so your church will be bigger? Do you want to reach them so they quit bugging you? So they quit telling dirty jokes next to you at work? Or do you want to reach them because you honestly love them? And I th think, you know, we, we talk about love a lot, but, but love, love is really, uh, there's a great scripture, I think it's in 
And Peter says, love one another, and this, I think it's NIV says this, deeply from the heart. When I was a young Christian, we used to sing this song, I love you with the love of the Lord. Remember that one? Some of you older timers. And I, I remember in church in Alaska, they had us hold hands with the person next to us and sing to it. And the guy next to me, <laughs> actually he's on my staff now currently, and so we're sitting there singing this stupid song to each other. And, tr- and trying to look somewhat spiritual. God, I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs> Honestly, that did nothing to make us love each other more. And, and sometimes the things that we talk about with love really don't have anything to do with it. Love actually just really cares about people. And, 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 and is into their heart and into their life. And so I, I, I really believe God wants to get that in us. This, for whose sake do you do what you do? Why, why, do, you, why, why do you want to reach people? And, and what that will do, that will give you creative energy and creative wisdom. When you love someone, you'll do whatever it is to make it work. Isn't that, honestly, my wife and I are really different, and, and we've had um, um, fights. But we, we, and we, we don't always do it all the way the books say to do it to get it right, but we just want to get it right because we love each other. I can't imagine life without her. And so sometimes even when I'm right, I say I'm wrong. <laughs> Once, once I did that. <laughs> Listen to this. This is Romans. Uh, this is Paul's heart. I, I'm just astounded by this scripture. This particular verse is always just, uh, um, just uh, challenges me, baffles me, really. And, and it's, honestly, it's bad theology, too. Paul wrote it. He says, for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters... I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if it would save them. You said, I would go to hell for eternity if it would save my brothers and sisters. By the way, Moses said about the same thing. Think about what, what kind of heart is that? That's a heart that breaks for people. I'm not cool at all. I hate rap. It's it's polka than rap. But I can go to the high school and I can see these kids broken. And their sexuality all confused. I said, God, help me. Help this old guy. <laughs> it's not my church. I got to care what I say. <laughs> Somehow, God, help us. By the way, our, our church is filled with young people. And, and I'm not cool at all. And, I, and my pants are a little bit baggy and... And I, you know, I, I, these is, this is really cool shoes for me. 
But somehow they pick up that language of the human heart that says, this fat old guy loves me. By the way, you can do that. When, when it's about our ministry, with our church, our stuff, it, it comes across different. When it comes about, God, I, I, if somebody gets saved and they go to a different church, I'm so glad they got saved. Because Jesus will bring in the ones we need. Something about that human heart just reaching out to people and, and saying, God, I, I'm just so struck by Paul's heart in this. Listen to this scripture. I, I love this in 1 Peter. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you give, to give a reason for the hope you have. But, but do it with gentleness and, and respect. I, Pastor Doug did a really good job on that. He yes. talked about that. and I'm not in a camp there, but part of respect is that you really see value in who they are. You know, I, I told my, I, when I, I, I'd been preaching on evangelism, reaching out, and one of the ways that I, I use to connect to people, I'm fascinated by tattoos. I don't have one on my body, not, don't have any tattoos. And I have a pretty big canvas, too, so I could... <laughs> <laughs> but I will often ask people about their tattoos. I, I use it a way to, to kind of, because people, they write a story on their body. They, there's a reason they have, I was in the Navy where they had, you know, anchors and, and hinges and cobwebs back here, but and maybe a ship on their chest, but it was pretty boring stuff. Now it's really fascinating what people do. And so I'll ask them about it because uh, I want to get into their life. And I actually am legitimately interested. You know, people are fascinating. People have stories that are amazing. People have wounds in their life that, that just overwhelm you. In fact, really, that's the, the, the next, and it's kind of a sub-point to this, but I did this number three, is listening to people. And uh, I think uh, Doug talked about that too, just hearing their story. Let them, let them speak and, 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 and not, not just, you know, I'm for five minutes and then I'm going to get them with the gospel. But, but really be interested in them. I, I really am fascinated by people because they're all different. It's, and sometimes it's like going to look at giraffes in another country. And by the way, when they're looking at me, they're going, boy, there's a giraffe. <laughs> Do you, do, you get, do you get the heart of what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You can do this. You can just, you, you have Christ in you. Let him come out. <laughs> See, he's the hope of glory. Amen? I just love these people and let them, let them hear and listen to their stories and ask questions. I, I, I'll give you a couple of cool scriptures on that. Um, uh, it says, he who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. Listen to it in the Message Bible. Answer me, religion is well, stupid and rude. <laughs> it kind of fits in with the shoes being stupid, you know, tight jeans being stupid. Well, it's also stupid not to listen to people. It's rude. And by the way, as a leader, as a type A person, I have a hard time listening. If you've been a pastor for any length of time, you've, after a while, you've heard most of the stories. They all sin, sin, and it's about the same kind of stuff. And and you can be halfway through a conversation and say, let's cut to the chase. I know what the problem is. I can fix it. <laughs> Come on. Is that right? I, I've been in the, and, and sometimes I, I, I just have to say, God, help me to just keep quiet and be connected to this person. 
Because sometimes they'll say things I didn't hear or I don't know. And then that's respect when you listen to them and you value their world. You know, I, my, my son's a, a musician. He's a guitar player. So I, I always watch guitars when people play. And, and uh, um, I, man, there's some, Joel, you had a really cool guitar up here. I don't know what that is, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, and when you connect with their world, they open their heart to you. And, and be, even acknowledge that I don't know. I don't understand. I, why, I might ask them, why do you like rap? What is it about it that you like? I just don't like that stuff. That's a bunch of crud. I'm really doing well, aren't I? Anyway. <laughs> do you understand? Just say, I, I want to know about it. Why do, why do you like riding a Harley? What is it, what is it that... I, I, I learned... I, I'm not a... I'm a pastor of a church full of, of hunters, bow hunters. and, and uh, But I, I remember the first guy that came that bow hunted. I didn't know anything about it. And quite frankly, I didn't care. I don't like hunting. And so I'm sitting there, but I, this guy wasn't saved. And I said, what is it about bow hunting you like? Tell me, I don't know anything about it. I just acknowledged I was ignorant. And he began to explain it. And it's actually really cool. You've got, you got actually got to stalk the animal. And you, you know, they cover themselves with stinky stuff so you can sneak up on them. You've got camel on them. You've got to get really close. And, and, and you, know, you know, gun, you can shoot from a couple hundred yards. Rifle or a bow, I think it's like 50 yards. Ah. You know what? He, he told me his story, told me about One, I learned about bow hunting. I, I found it really fascinating. But two, it actually opened him up to talk, and the guy got saved and ended up being a part of our church. I wasn't making up my interest. I really became interested in what he was doing. Listen to people. The last one, and, and I've been thinking about this, and, and then Pastor Frank really nailed part of this at the end. Sometimes we get afraid of the things that transformed our life that somehow the next generation won't really appreciate it. Um, spiritual stuff. You, you have the power of God in you. Look, look at these scriptures. These are great scriptures here. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 10, 10, 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Look at it in, in the... In the message Bible, the tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. They're for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and pulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. God gave us, in case you're not familiar with these translations, the weapons of our warfare are, not car- warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. God gave us gifts of the Spirit so that we can minister to people. Now, now if you come to somebody and say, Yea, verily, the Lord has said to thee, they're going to think you're a cow with a giraffe outfit on. <laughs> do, 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 right? And, and in fact, do, well, the reason we used to prophesy in King James is because the people came before us prophesied in King James, and we read the King James Bible, but none of us talk like that. 
And so if you're, but in the church, it was cool because we all read King James and the guy, yay, yay, verily, you know, he's really got a lot of yays in there and stuff. And you go, this, this is a real deal here now. <laughs> but sometimes God will just put stuff in your heart. And, and whether it's a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or a prophetic word, who cares? Really, who cares? The only reason you care is so you can tell somebody, I'm used in this word. What you want to do is just be used by God and listen to God and say, God, please, Jesus, give me an opening in this person's life. It's astounding what God will do. Don't be afraid of the word of God. You know, there's a lot of, there's even almost a theology sometimes in churches that that you got to be careful about using the word because this generation doesn't believe the word. My generation didn't believe the word. In fact, I hated churches. I I, I thought pastors were all phonies. Now I am one. (laughs) I I was a hippie. I was, I, I, I thought organized religion was just so, such a distasteful thing to me. But the word of God speaks to people's hearts. Just use it in a normal way. Use it in a loving way. Use it in a way because you want to help them, not because you want to impress them. Amen? You can preach the word. It actually transforms hearts and minds, but preach it in a way that makes sense to people. And I, I'm not afraid to use different translations if it says it better or if it's my doctrine better. <laughs> I just threw that in there, but. (laughs) (sighs) Let me me share one one last story with you. I I, want to condense this because I want to make sure we have a lot. We're we're really blessed to have Pastor Frank here, and and he's going to speak and share with the pastors. But 1976, January of 1976, four hippies walked into a little Pentecostal church in North Kenan, Alaska. Had bib overalls, flannel shirt, work boots on. It's the way we dressed. It's a, like I said, it was skinny jeans. Everybody in that church, every man had a tie, every woman had a dress. They were playing an organ. Piano, organ. Um, the guy preached for almost two hours. I was one of those four people. My wife was another one. I, I was, it was, couldn't have been anti my culture. Even my religious experience was in a Baptist church. Nobody talked at all. These guys, amen, hallelujah, bless your brother, hey, glory to God. <laughs> but there was a presence in that room. It touched a broken heart. I was so hungry. Come on. I said, I gotta have more. And after he was done, he gave an altar call. He said, he said, if you need, if you need your marriage prayed for, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come down. And and my buddy and his wife, my buddy Ron Garnett was his name. He was uh, he'd smoked a lot of wacky tobacco. <laughs> and they went <laughs> right down. And he came back and he goes, wow, man, I don't know what they got, but you got to get some of that. <laughs> Freaked me out. Did. I, I thought, what do you go? It's like they went down and smoked a doobie. 
And I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate Doug sharing he's a skeptic. So am I. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical in nature, uh, philosophy. You're trained to question everything. And, and I'm just sitting there checking this out. And my wife, who was really was kind of shy in those days, and she turned to me and she said, are you going or do I have to drag you? Uh. I went, wow, I guess we're going. <laughs> now, now we, we'd probably had three fights in the way to church. So getting our marriage prayed for was a, a given. We went down there, and they prayed for our marriage, and they said, anything else? I said, yeah, I, I think I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I've been saved since I was four and a half, terrified for years, and just starting to come back, figuring out who God was, reading the Bible, even going to a little community church, but I needed something, and I, I knew my mom was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and honestly, she was all, with all these, I call them ladies that shine, women's aglow, <laughs> and, but they were, they were a little strange, you know. She used to say, I got my happy tongue. And I go, oh. <laughs> you, can, you can actually get saved with bad theology. But anyway, so, so but I, I, I wanted something. And this whole group of people, they didn't take us in a private room. They didn't do a teaching. They just gathered around, and they started shouting in tongues over us. I was scared to death. <laughs> I was actually saying, Jesus, 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 help me, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They said, he's got it. I said, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that this older lady in the congregation came and she just laid her hand on me. I don't, know, I don't know how it worked, but she just laid her hand on me and began to pray for me. And the peace of God came over me. I, there were four different doctrines given me that night. One, one said, you got it. You, 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 if you, you've got it. One said, you, you go home and get it. One said, uh, I think he said a word. You know, they were just, everybody's telling me different things. It was confusing. It's not the best way to do it. But my heart was hungry. And somehow they communicated to my heart. And God absolutely transformed Cindy and I that night. And we were different people forever. Our whole destiny is different. People who are not culturally savvy at all. Well, honestly, they had a little bit of weirdness to them. And you, you know, here's what's really interesting. I, I was in the church about three or four months getting connected. People I had one lady used to invite us over for dinner uh, every Sunday. Every Sunday she invited us over, and uh, she was a rough Alaskan. One time I, she, I stopped by to see her, and we were having tea, and she burped really loud. She goes, whoa, got to get that baby tuned. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, oh, really? <laughs> I, I was in that church for about three or four months. I went out and bought a suit. I felt so... I felt like a cow with a giraffe suit on. But I, I wanted to fit in with them. I didn't want them to be like me. What I really want was everything Jesus had. You guys have the goods. Let your heart speak to other hearts. Get as wise as you can. I, I was thinking, you know, reading through the notes and if, if you have a, your church, you, you suspect it's out of date looking and maybe the way you do things is a little out of date, it probably is. 
So invite one of these really creative young pastors to come in and give you some help. That's one of the wonderful benefits of MFI. And, and uh, th that's good. I mean, this is a really sharp-looking, well-done, um, there's, you know, it's just, it's got life to it. I, I understand that. But that alone won't keep people. It's the presence of God. It's the people of God. It's the heart of God that we extend to people that speaks to the language of a human heart that really is empty. The Bible says people without Christ are without hope. And, and you carry hope. The Bible says everywhere you go, we smell like Jesus. To some people, it stinks. To some people, it smells like life. Be that.